0: Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? It's Thunder and Thursday, Daniel. So you know, thunder. I'm doing cool. <laughs> okay. Dude. Okay. Sure it is. Thunder <laughs> and Thursday. All right, listen, if you were um, in the sad position of having to watch that disaster night two of the oh. Democrat debate last night, I feel for you. Oh. Uh, I had to watch it because this is what I do for a living. And as always, we will sum it up for you, hopefully in about 20 minutes or less. And here's how we're going to frame this, Joe. (laughs) Okay. We're not going to cover it as winners and losers because there were no no winners again. Um, I thought of a better way. We're going to cover it as losers and bigger losers. (laughs) What do you think of that? (laughs) There we go. Losers and bigger losers from last night's debate. I'll just give you a hint. Loser Biden... Bigger loser last night, no doubt. Kamala Harris, oh. who at one point, yeah, Joe saw the cuts, Woo. got absolutely torched, torched. Someone should have dialed nine one one by Tulsi Gabbard. They we'll sunk get her to that. Also got baby. another break. <laughs> you know, it was bad, right? Yeah. Another break in the Jim Comey case, the case against Jim Comey, former FBI uh, director. Dude. Ladies and gentlemen, the news I have for you, though, on that. I have to be candid with you, it's not very good. So you're gonna to want to stay tuned to the end. I got that. I also got some video of Elijah Cummings, uh Democrat representative from Baltimore, mm-hmm. saying exactly what he accused Trump of being a racist for saying. So it's a stack show. All right, let's All get right. right to it. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at my Patriot Supply. Let me ask you something. What were you doing when you put money in a 401k? When you store jumper cables in your vehicle or you purchase health insurance. Well, the answer is easy. You're preparing. You're preparing to ensure you have enough money for retirement to have uh, some backup source of power. And your car battery dies or to have assistance paying for a major unexpected medical bill. Ladies and gentlemen, preparation just makes sense. I live in Florida in a hurricane zone. We are always prepared here. And how do we do it? We have weeks worth of emergency food from our friends at My Patriot Supply. Order now at preparewithdan.com. Listen, build a food security plan. You're preparing when emergencies strike. You ensure everything in your lives that matter. How could you not ensure your food supply? That's crazy. Earthquakes, power outages, civil unrest. These things strike with little or no notice. The best way to prepare is with my Patriot Supply. This is the final week for a special offer. Save $100, that's a lot of money, on a four-week food kit. That's four weeks of just mental sanity, knowing you have food in the event of an emergency. It averages 2,000 calories a day, the four week food kit. Go to my site here, special site for us. I know it's preparewithdan.com today. This four week food kit includes breakfast, lunches, and dinners that last up to 25 years in, short, in storage. Prepare with my Patriot Supply. It's the smart thing to do. Do it now. Save $100 at preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. All right, Joe, let's go. All right, nice. So let's start off with some video audio from last night. As I said, we're not going to cover winners and losers. We're going to cover losers and bigger losers. Uh, One of the losers last night was Joe Biden, who, again, candidly, folks, it's not a knock on the guy personally. I'm trying to get away from that kind of stuff. It's hard because they do so much dumb stuff. But he just looked lost last night. (sighs) I mean, just looked lost. Here was his closing statement where he's trying to promote a website, a text site, a I, I, nobody knew what he was doing, nah. but apparently Joe's running for office. A uh, hat tip, uh, Caleb J. Hull, for this one, uh, put this together. He's running for office in the year 3330. It's very puzzling. He doesn't seem to know what he's talking about. Play that cut. If you agree with me, go to Joe30330 and help me in this fight. Jeez in the year 3033300003 uh, three, 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 oh, 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 three. <laughs> Paula you went to that website right what was it what? some cat josh for america It was i don't know who josh for america is at joe 30330comorg i don't know i but it ain't joe now what was he talking about? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, Paula figured it out. It's a text. Apparently, it's a text message. Joe. Uh, now, ironically, this guy, okay. Josh for America, is going to get a lot of uh, PR out of this. Yeah. Joe may eventually get some extra text out of it. But you listen, folks, I'm just giving you the political perspective. And it's not a knock personally. I'm talking about strategy-wise. When you're an older candidate, you, you you know, you have to be all there. I mean, these attacks happened against Reagan. They've, you know, against all. It's not new. When you're an older candidate, you really have to look crisp on stage. Yeah. And if you're going to say things like, go to Joe 30330, <laughs> is it a website? Is it a text? Is it a lat long you know is it like uh, that movie logan where they're looking for the x-men refuge and they have the latitude and longitude i mean what are you talking about are we meeting at some special location in the forest like in the blair witch project go to joe 3032 punch it in your compass or something you know shoot a vector you know shoot an azimuth and get like cross vectors and joe get it together okay i'm sorry wait now you know, listen. This is kind of a, 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 a you know a bit of fun and yeah. the humor at it, but I'm serious. The loser part of last night for Biden was not just that little clip. That sums up Biden's whole performance. He just looked lost. He's not crisp. His answers are meandering, and he doesn't look together. And when you're an older candidate, fair or not, it happens to Republicans and Democrats. You gotta be sharp. Donald Trump is an older guy. He's no spring chicken anymore. And whether you love him or hate him on the stage, the guy always had a snappy comeback. He just did. Okay, moving on. Uh, This is just the clown show continued last night. Again, it's tough to categorize who the biggest loser was. Um, De Blasio, I I have a tough time even wasting time on this guy, but what he said was so stupid, I feel the need to... uh, to to, to counter counterpunch here. So here's the Blasio arguing again last night, the the Democrats new mantra that the wealthy don't pay their fair share. This is just unbelievably stupid. This has to be the party that's not afraid to say out loud, we're going to tax the hell out of the wealthy. (laughs) And when we do that, Donald Trump right on cue will call us socialists. Well, here's what I'll say to him. Donald You're the real socialist. The problem is it's socialism for the rich. Um, Okay, that doesn't even make any sense. But, you know, de Blasio and making sense are like, uh, here's de Blasio, right? Mm. Here's making sense. Here's the wall in between them. De Blasio never makes sense. Nikita de Blasio is a communist. Uh, He's run New York City into the ground. He is the worst mayor in the history of New York City. And believe me, that's saying a lot. We had Abe Beam and David Dinkins. They were horrible, too de Blasio takes the cake this is the platinum medal winner award winner in the worst mayor Olympics this guy's a joke now he goes back to this Democrat mantra you know the rich don't pay their fair share ladies and gentlemen again facts don't matter to liberals I get that I'm not arguing on this show to change liberals minds you're not Dan so what's the point of the show liberals are married to stupid ideas I promise you you are not going to change any of their minds okay The point of this show is always to give you facts and data and ammunition to argue with liberals so that when a third person is listening to your back and forth, he'll understand that you have the facts and they don't. Are we clear on that? I said this repeatedly. I get a lot of emails on this. You're not going to change the liberals' minds. A lot of them are socialists. Some are communists. Some are just radical far leftists who believe in stupid stuff. Here's the facts. Here's the data. Here's a Wall Street Journal piece. I put this in the show notes against my better judgment, by the way, because it's subscription only, but it's an old enough piece that you may get through the firewall there. Here's the piece. It's from 2018. It'll be in the show notes today. Tax report. The Wall Street Journal. Top 20% of Americans will pay, Joe, 87 87% of the income tax. Now- for those of you confused about what that means, it means households with 150000 or more in income, not the super wealthy, make up 52% of total income nationally, but pay the, largest, uh, pay the largest portion of total taxes. So just to be clear, I know facts and data don't matter to hard leftists. I understand that. But for the moderate folks listening, persuadable Democrats and a third person interested in having a rational back and forth, your question to people like de Blasio... We are. What did he say, Joe? We're gonna tax the hell, hell out of the rich. Yeah. You don't do that already. What rate do you want? People who make $150,000 or more—they're doing okay, no dispute. Households—they're doing that. That's you know over double the national average. But I wouldn't call them Thurston Howells exactly. Hmm. $150,000 or more currently pay 87% of the income tax. Here's their comeback. Well, they must earn 80% of the money. No, they, own 50, they earn 52%. You don't know what you're talking about. Do we have a screenshot from that piece? I think we do. I'm sorry for I've sent Paula so much information. Yes. <laughs> Paula, on the ball. The results show, from the Wall Street Journal piece, they did a study. The results of that sh- study show how steeply progressive the U.S. income tax remains. For 2018, households in the top 20% income 150000 or more. And 52% of the earned total income, about the same as 2017. But they will pay 87% of income taxes, up from about 84% last year. Get a load of this, Joe. By contrast, the lower 60% of households who have income up to about 86000 receive about 27% of income. As a group, this tier will pay no net federal income tax in 2018 versus 2% of it last year. All right. So let's debunk a couple liberal dopey talking points, which are just, again, not factually correct, because liberals and facts, they have kind of a problem. They've been immunized at an early age. Get the injection for the facts vaccine. Make <laughs> sure you give it to the liberal kids, too. Not only is the percentage of the uh, of wealthy households, as de Blasio would categorize them, 150000 or more, paying the overwhelming majority of the taxes, 87% of the income tax. Since the tax cuts were implemented it's gone up three percentage points. What do you mean? I thought Donald Trump's tax cuts were for the rich. Only if a tax cut means they paid more taxes as the percentage of the total tax loan. But again, leave it to liberal <laughs> imbecility, right? By the way, the bottom 60% paid no net federal taxes on income tax, that is. I'm not talking about Social Security right. payroll taxes. Right. None. Zero. Down from 2% from 2017. Libs, again, don't let facts get in the way of your dopey, silly arguments. My gosh, do you ever get an argument right ever? Do you lie about everything all the time? Is there ever, like, is there any compunction to stop ever? Do you ever look in the mirror and go, you know what? I'm wrong about everything I've said and everything I believe. (laughs) Do you ever say that? I swear they just make this stuff up. All right, moving on. Proving Dan Bongino, uh, what's your, uh, Dan Bongino, and the Dan Bongino show, we should have like a Dan Bongino show, Bill of Rights. Bill of Rights. Dan Bongino will guarantee you that cannibalism will take over in the Democrat Party and oh, identity yes. politics. I've told you that. Yeah. The left will eventually eat itself on identity politics. It's been one of yeah. the axioms of this show from day one. Calling people racist, misogynist, blah, 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 istophobic, phobophobes, as we call them any word ending in istanphobe, will eventually eat the left itself. We saw what happened with the attack on uh, that entertainer, uh, the actor, a guy I like a lot, Mario Lopez, who wow. said that basically three-year-olds should you know, probably not be responsible for picking their gender at three. Um Really? I don't find that controversial at all. Of course, the social justice warriors. You know, Mario Lopez, he does the show, Extra, really nice guy. Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, too, by the way. They went oh. after him. I'm not saying he's a leftist, but entertainment Hollywood is. Mm-hmm. Of course, they were going to eat him alive for that. But I had said to you that it's only a matter of time that the left starts attacking itself with charges of istophobic phobophobism. Why, Joe? Because of another one of our axioms. It works. Yeah. Or I should say, I'm going to change it a little. It worked in the past. I was going to say works. The (laughs) problem is they're using it so much that racism, sadly, the charges become to be meaningless. Meaning it doesn't, it it really, they call everybody a racist and the charges become almost meaningless. Mm -hmm. But it does work. And it is one of the more devastating charges calling someone a misogynist or a racist. I've told you they're going to start hitting each other with this. Kamala Harris hit Joe Biden. Here's now Kirsten Gillibrand, failed senator from New York State, the biggest phony in the race, by the way, allegedly running for president. I don't know who else supports her, but her and her family. Here's Gillibrand crushing Joe Biden on women's rights or trying to and Biden fighting back and making her look absolutely silly. So she initially gets a leg up and then finds out quickly this exchange isn't going to go well for her. But again, this is evidence of the cannibalism on the left eating themselves alive.
1: What did you mean when you said when a woman works outside the home, it's resulting in, quote, the deterioration of family and that we are avoiding these are quotes. It was the title of the op ed. And that just causes concern for me because we know America's women are working Four out of 10 moms have to work. They're the primary or sole wage earners. They actually have to put food on the table. Eight out of 10 moms are working today. Most women have to work to provide for their kids. Many women want to be working to provide for their communities you, and to Senator. help people. Let so the vice president respond. Either you respond don't to believe it today or what did you mean when you said it In then? the very
0: beginning, my deceased wife worked, but we had children. My present wife has worked all the way through raising our children. The fact of the matter is the situation is one that I don't know what's happened. I wrote the Violence Against Women Act. Lily Ledbetter. I was deeply involved in making sure there are equal pay amendments. I was deeply involved in all these things. I came up with the It's On Us proposal to see to it that women were treated more decently on college campuses. You came to Syracuse University with me and said it was wonderful. I'm passionate about the concern making sure women are treated equally. I don't know what's happened except that you're now running for president.
1: So I understand,
0: Mr. Vice President...
1: President, I respect you deeply. I respect you deeply. But those words are very specific.
0: Someone, uh, <laughs> someone want to dial 9-11 felony assault on stage? <laughs> uh, that didn't, she thinks she's got gold here, Kirsten Gillibrand. Yeah. You wrote this op-ed saying women shouldn't work or whatever. I don't know, I didn't read this stupid op-ed. I don't know what Joe Biden was saying, though I don't even care. I, not my point of view. She's like, I got him now on what, Joe? Identity politics. Clearly yeah. hinting at the fact that Joe Biden doesn't like women, right? This is what Here's they do. I told you, it's yeah. a cannibalistic effort. Yeah, Biden, in one of the rare moments of the night where he showed any kind of energy or crispness at all, yeah. comes back and like, hey, I wrote all these bills for women or whatever, and you were on the stage with me at Syracuse. She's like, oh, 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 yeah, that didn't go well. Yeah. Folks, you're going to see more of this. Two rules. Identity politics worked for them in the past, so they think it'll work for them now. They're getting desperate. When you see desperation set in, it worked. When desperation sets in and they crave power, they will go back to rule number one. Use what's worked in the past. Identity politics. This movement will eat itself alive. You're witnessing it in live time, ladies and gentlemen. Again, here's failed New York State Senator Kirsten Gillibrand. I'm telling you the biggest phony in the race. Uh, she said last night, what would you, the well, first thing I would do if I was president is Clorox the office. Yeah, Clorox, this woman's in photos with Harvey Weinstein and Bill Clinton. Maybe you should Clorox the dress you were wearing when you were around Bill Clinton and Harvey Weinstein before you Clorox the Oval Office. Give us a break with these nonsense. I'm going to Clorox you. How stupid. So here's Gillibrand again making an absurd claim about health care that it's the GOP that has anything to do with GO, uh, Excuse me, canceling health care and the increasing prices. Now, she may be talking about rhinos and failed Republicans, but certainly not conservative health care principles. Here's Gillibrand again.
1: Let's not forget what the Republicans are doing, because the truth is the Republicans and Trump, their whole goal is to take away your health care. Thank you. To make it harder for you to afford it. Thank even you, existing Gillibrand. And oh, shares.
0: gosh, folks, I'm not going to beat this mm. horse to death because we it's just our talking point. Is so ridiculous and absurd. Uh, it's, But it is worth a couple minutes. I have a great piece up again in the show notes. Uh, please subscribe to my email list. I will send you these articles every day. I, I ask you that to do that because. My show notes are not like The Drudge Report. It's not a news aggregator of the day. Some of it's news, some of it's not, but I go and, you know, basically go through the whatever I can get, older articles, newer articles for stuff that may have been out a few years ago you're not going to find again. Here's one of them. In addition to that, Wall Street Journal article I just pointed out. This is from mises.org. From the Mises Institute from 2017, but a good one. It's a very good article. It'll be up in the show notes today. Please again subscribe to my email list and you can see it. And the show notes are under the podcast. You can see them as you click on the podcast app on the website. How Government Regulations Made Healthcare So Expensive by Mike Holley, uh May, May 9, 2017. Fantastic article. Folks, why is healthcare expensive? I'm just going to sum it up for you in a couple quick talking points. All of them are due to big government Democrats and liberals and rhino Republicans to be candid that play along because they don't know any better. Uh, here's a piece. Here's a, a snippet from the piece from the Mises.org piece. Look at this chart, folks. I'll describe it for you for those listening on audio. They say the U.S. health care cost crisis didn't start until 1965. The government increased demand with the passage of Medicare and Medicaid while restricting the supply of doctors and hospitals. Health care prices responded at twice the rate of inflation. If you see this chart, folks, you see the consumer price index going up and the Medicare price index going up at twice the rate. Now the U.S. is repeating the same mistakes with the unveiling of Obamacare. Check this out again. It's in the piece. For those of you listening on audio, you can uh, you can just check it out, click on it and, and it, it's really well done. It lays out how the government has done a few things that have caused the cost curve in healthcare to go through the roof. None of these, by the way, align with conservative libertarian ideas. Maybe rhino Republican ideas, but that's not us. One of them. Obviously, the third party payer effect, which we've talked about often. Ladies and gentlemen, when you pay taxes for health care rather than paying for health care or for health care insurance directly, where you have some control over it, your money is now gone. You then go to get services from a doctor or hospital and the government pays for it. Any cost control or quality control is gone. Why? You have to go to the hospital or doctor the government tells you can go to, quality or not, and the doctor and the hospital don't care about the price. They'll charge you whatever they can get away with. It's not their fault because they know you're not paying. You're not going to challenge it. And what does the government do when costs get out of control? They ration it. We've discussed that off. That's called the third-party payer effect. Look that up. It's one of the most important tenets of economics. It is why government intervention in the healthcare system as a third-party payer, patient, doctor, third parties, the government. It is why the costs and the quality go down in a government-run system. You get rationing and exploding costs because there's no cost control. There's no connection between the patient and the cost, the doctor or the hospital and the cost. They're not paying. They already forfeited their tax money. But the, the article brings up a couple other interesting points as well. One of them we discussed a long time ago. Why are drug prices out of control? Government regulations. Hmm. The FDA, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know this, the Food and Drug Administration regulates drugs, Food and Drug Administration. Right. But one of the things they do, which is absurd, is they regulate the efficacy of drugs. Hmm. Why? Yeah. The FDA, Joe, should ensure safety. I have no problem with that. Okay. The safety of the drug. Sure. But if the drug is safe, why is the FDA and bureaucrats telling a doctor if it's if it's a, the, the efficacy, the effectiveness of the drug? Let the doctor figure that out. Mm. If a doctor finds out that w- whatever, I mean, a blood pressure, he's a perfect example. A okay. blood pressure drug. Works for people with ED, if you get what I mean. Oh, yeah. That's what happened with finasteride. What is it, Viagra? That's what happened. Let the doctors figure that out. You have, uh, you know, millions of doctors around the world. If the drug is safe, let them figure it out. They're smarter than government bureaucrats. But because the FDA has to determine safety and efficacy, you get these, like, 20-year pipelines for drugs to get in the market, which explodes the cost. Right. Government screwing it up again. Make sure that thing's safe, and let the doctors figure it out if it works or if it doesn't. They'll get it. Here's another thing, that which again is in the piece: the doctor and hospital supplies being restricted. The government encourages limited enrollment in medical school. That's why the costs are out of control. Through over the regulations, certificates of need for hospitals. Certificate? What do you need a certificate from the government? If I want to build a hospital, I need the government to tell me if I can or can't. Folks, if I see competition in an area and I want to drive down the price and open my own hospital, why do I need the government's approval? Because they love this. And frankly, some Republicans have played along. So Gillibrand's assertion that, oh, yeah, you know, the Democrats, we have all the answers. The Republican schools are not the good ones. Solid Republicans who believe in free markets understand that the cost of medicine will come down when the government gets out of the way. Stop the FDA nonsense. Stop the certificates of need. Stop the third party payer nonsense. Have a social safety net built in where I already made my suggestion. Let doctors and hospitals write off their tax bill. A complete tax deduction of all the care they provide for free to people in need. Oh, we can't do that. Why? You're giving them money anyway. You're giving them our tax money through Medicaid. Why not just let them keep their own money? You get it? Let indigent patients, people who are poor, go into a doctor or a hospital and let the doctor, they can, you know, they'll have some kind of tax ID number, social security number, write off the full cost of that care. Oh, but then doctors and hospitals won't pay taxes. Who cares? Who cares? We're already giving them our tax money. So what, let me get this straight. What you'd rather do is have doctors and hospitals pay enormous tax bills and then for us to reimburse those doctors and hospitals with our money? And that makes sense to you. Just let them write off the care. You'd see doctors and hospitals clamoring for low-income patients. They're not interested in solutions. Not at all. All right, here is Oh man, this was bad. This was of all the dial 911 felony assault on stage. Gosh, this was the worst. I know where you go. Yeah, yeah. I know. Joe gets to cheat, he gets to see uh-huh. the clips. Dude. The show. This is- um <laughs> Yeah, dude is right. This is what was Rob Schneider Dude moments, right? Tulsi Gabbard, Congresswoman uh, from Hawaii. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard went after Kamala Harris history. Kamala Harris, uh, Senator from California, who's been creeping up on Joe Biden in the in the polls, has been running on this, you know, basically anti-police, anti-law enforcement, you know, free weed for everyone kind of agenda. Yeah. But that's not exactly Kamala Harris's record when she was the attorney general of California, as Tulsi Gabbard points out in this clip.
1: Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president. But I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way.
0: (laughs) I don't even... No. Harris didn't even know what to do there. She's like, parry. No, no, they could. Doc. Uh, she's like, remember Rocky Four, Rocky with Drago? He's got the rope in a bar. He's yeah. going up. She don't even know what to do with that one. What well, that, folks, it, listen, that was brutal. I mean, you want to talk about an epic takedown? Now, because Kamala Harris is—I I think Gillibrand is phonier than oh. Harris. Oh. De Blasio is the king of the phonies, by the way. I shouldn't say it. Gillibrand takes second place to De Blasio, but Harris and Gillibrand are like competing for the silver medal of phonies. Kamala Harris has changed her mind on everything in this race. Dana Lash was on Fox this morning. Fox and Friends has an interesting theory about this. I just want to throw this out there quick. She thinks that Gabbard is going after Kamala Harris as some kind of like wink and a nod to Joey B., Joe Biden. Because she may be either in line for a cabinet position, I doubt VP, but maybe. Hmm. Um, I, you know what? I got to tell you, I, first when I heard it, I was like, "Yeah, Dana may be right. Because Tulsi Gabbard did not touch Joe Biden last night. And so that there may be something there. But again, ladies and gentlemen, this is, you know, th- these people are not being real with you. Liberals are not being honest about what happened. Okay, I want to wrap this up with this and move on So we got a real bad, negative, thumbs-down update on the disastrous situation with Jim Comey. But I want to just kind of sum up the debates and what we're seeing now after we've now got four debates under our belt. Clearly now the things are changing. There are now three lanes emerging. The liberal lane, the moderate lane, and the outsider lane. That's changed now. Initially, Bernie Sanders was the liberal lane leader. I would venture to say now, after four debates, I, I, you know, I don't want to make predictions. Bernie's in trouble. I'm not going to say he's done. Bernie's in a lot of trouble. The liberal lane, and Joe, if you have any beef no, with this or Paula, let me know. I think the liberal lane now is Elizabeth Warren. Hmm. We have three viable lanes. The moderate lane is still Biden. There are some folks trying to creep up on him. Delaney, uh, Hickenlooper, Bennett—they're not—they're not touching him. I, you know, Delaney did a decent job on night one. He's nowhere near Biden where he is in the polls. So the moderate lane, Joe Biden's holding on, despite, again, now two awful performances in the debate. All right. With you there. The outsider lane has changed dramatically. The outsider lane was Beto after his Senate campaign. Mm -hmm. Then it went over to Buttigieg, South Bend mayor, when he jumped in. All right. Buttigieg is still a factor, but I think Buttigieg's relatively milquetoast performance, I think that outsider lane is now Yang- Andrew Yang, the tech guy, huh. Gabbard, and Buttigieg actually in third. We'll see. We'll update these lanes as time goes on, but this is going to be fun to watch. Uh, I love them beating up on each other and exposing each other for their total, complete hypocrisy. All right, moving on. Hey, by the way, quick shout out to the uh, Palm Beach Cards. Yeah. Oh, nice job, uh, Manager Dan. Yeah, but yeah, it is. It's a nice lead, right? Yeah, it, it is. It's sharp. Out, uh, went out to a game last night. Met some nice fans. Over in Port St. Lucie. The Palm Beach Cardinals were por- playing the Port St. Lucie Mets. So, uh, my, nothing like minor league baseball, folks. Can I just say for a moment before we I get a sponsor here? But you know, Joe, I love love baseball. I haven't been able to watch a you game with my wife in a long time. We just really yeah. been. I love baseball. It is. It, it's just everything. And watching everybody at the game wasn't that crowd. It's a minor league game. It's Class A ball. But have people when the anthem comes on. Everybody up, hands across their hearts, hats off, silence in the stadium. You know, God bless you, man. There's nothing like good old Americana and baseball, man. Kind of like I warmed my heart. I don't like to talk, which is shocking. I do a talk show. My wife knows it, so I'm not really a big small tar. I'm just not. If you ever meet me out in public, believe me, it is not personal. I'm just, I'm just a very private guy. I'm always nice to be, and I love you today. I'm just not. Comfortable, which may shock you. But if you've met me out in public, you you probably know that. I'm just not comfortable with small talk. But I ran into a guy last night who was a trainer for Major League Baseball for 30 years. And gosh, he had so much stuff. I could have sat there and listened to this guy's stories all night. Everything from like Reggie Jackson to Dave Winfield to Jose Canseco. He's been (laughs) around them all. It's just incredible. So uh, just interesting. And thanks for having me out last night. All right. Today's show also brought to you by buddies at Bravo Company. Bravo. Bravo Company, MFG.com. Let me just tell you about this. Let me just tell you about these things, right? All right. I have two of these. Rifles and pistols. Uh, They are the finest rifles and pistols on the market. I'm talking about precision equipment. Precision equipment. Rifles and pistols that do what you need them to do when it matters. God forbid you are in a situation where you need to defend the life of yourself or your loved ones. These are fine rifles and pistols that work. They are precise. They will not malfunction on you. I love these. I mean, They are beautifully, beautifully built. When I picked mine up at the local firearms dealer, the guy could not extol the virtues of BCM rifles enough. Talking about how great they are. Now, they build their equipment, ladies and gentlemen, to a life-saving standard. Why is that important? There's nothing wrong with sporting arms company, but that's not sporting arms companies, but that's not Bravo company manufacturing. If you're interested in sporting arms and hunting stuff, that's great. That's great. I mean, you can use them for that, but they build their rifles and pistols to a life-saving standard because they're not a sporting arms company. They assume every one of the rifles and pistols when they leave their factory in Heartland, Wisconsin, built by hand, by the way, precision equipment That it will wind up in the hands of a civilian who, God forbid, needs to defend the lives of him or his loved ones, a police officer, or someone in our military. Ladies and gentlemen, I can't recommend these rifles and pistols enough. If you are in the market, you may see me wearing their shirts once in a while. This is not one of their shirts today. This is my Don't Feed the Hipsters classic, which, by the way, is totally falling apart. It's because my elbows don't work. I can't actually reach this. Look. That's all they go. Uh, but this is the threads coming out of the top. But Bravo Company, and my wife hates that. She's like, why do you always do that? Bravo Company MFG.com, Bravo Company MFG.com. To learn more about them, go to their YouTube channel too, YouTube.com slash Bravo Company UFSA, Bravo Excuse me, let me say that again. YouTube.com slash Bravo Company USA, YouTube.com slash Bravo Company USA, and their website, bravocompanymfg.com. MFG.com. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I can't recommend these enough. These are high quality precision rifles and pistols. You're not going to find a better one out there. Bravo Company MFG.com. I have so many <laughs> shirts with like holes. In I have so many, and you think I'd throw them out, but I like this one. Damn. Hey, you had Go that one for a while, feed man. Yeah. There's a classic. This is a classic. I love this one. All right, moving on. <laughs> You know, I was going to get to this yesterday, but it was such a stacked show that I had to move it off to today. Another liberal talking point debunked. short and sweet story, but it's worth your time. Ladies and gentlemen, what have we heard from the far left? Well, you know, the economy's working, but it's not working for everyone. Wages are down. Income is down. Times are awful. Ah, chicken little. Sky's falling, of course, because that's all liberals do. Again, getting back to my point, the liberals ever look in the mirror and say, gosh, my entire life is a lie. Everything I say is untrue. Um, There is no basis in fact to anything I put out there. Uh, They probably don't. Here is the latest effort to debunk liberal nonsense. Wall Street Journal piece about wages and income came out yesterday. The 99% get a bigger raise. New data shows faster growth. Wait, faster! New data shows faster. Am what? I reading that wrong? Does that say Is that saying slower, right? Joe? No, it says new data. Thank huh? you. Shows much faster growth in wages and income. Oh. Um. Okay. Uh, so from the piece, there, I have two uh, takeaways from this piece. The Bureau of Economic Analysis, not a partisan think tank, folks. By the way, on Tuesday, published its annual res- revisions to personal income data, and the surprise was the huge jump. Jump, Joe, not collapse. Huge jump in disposable income and employee compensation. Je- mm. Paula, that can't be true. Liberals told us wages and income have gone down. That this is—did you make this up, no. Joe? Are you messing with this stuff? No, this is clearly man. edited. Liberals who are liars—that's wow. what they do. Yeah. Clearly told us that wages and income have stagnated; they're not going up. Okay, back to the piece. Yeah. This, clearly, someone's lying in the I'm Wall confused. Street Journal here. Yeah. Yeah, of course you can. Me too. I'm I'm <laughs> stunned. I'm astonished. I don't know what to say. I had to question everything this morning. The piece goes on. The pure economic analysis revisions show that employee compensation rose. Rose. Does that say collapsed? No, it says rose. Rose 4.5 yeah. percent in 2017 and 5 percent. Is she gonna say negative 5 percent? No, no. It rose 5 percent in 2018. Some 4.4 billion and 87.1 billion more than previously reported. The trend, folks, has continued into 2019 with compensation increasing $378 billion, or 3.4% in the first six months alone. I, 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 what's happening? Wages and salaries were revised upward. You should, Wait, wait, upward? That doesn't say downward. No, it says upward. Mm-hmm. Wages and salaries were revised upward to 5.3% from 3.6% in May year over year. And in June, wages and salaries grew at an annual grew grew at wages and salaries grew at an annual rate of five point five percent, which is a rocking four point one percent, even after adjusting for inflation. Oh my gosh, folks! Do you ever get tired of having to deal with liberal stupidity? Ever does it ever slam you in the face that talking to liberals? I am sorry again. I, I it's hard for me to not make this personal because they make it personal. Because when you say this, they'll come back and what are they going to say, Joe? You're definitely a racist. Oh, yeah. You are a hundred percent a racist for talking about uh, wait, yeah. what are you talking about? We're talking about wages and income. Not, it doesn't matter. You're a matter. racist. Huh? I'm not a racist. Nah, okay, you're not. You're de- but you hate women. I hate women. I do. <laughs> Maybe not, but you're definitely a transphobic homophobe. I'm a transphobic homophobe. <laughs> what are you even talking about? <laughs> yeah. This is what they do. They never have any data to back up any of their assertions. Let me prepare you for their comeback because that's what we do. What's their comeback going to be, Joe? It's going to be obvious. They're going to say, well, clearly Obama did that. Uh It wasn't Trump. Keep in mind, for eight years, Obama blamed Bush for his disastrous economy. Now Obama's out of office, and Obama acolytes give credit to Obama for what he blamed Bush for. Putting that irony aside for a minute, here is another portion of the article, which you'll find interesting, to counteract the liberal nonsense that, in fact, Obama did it. Recall how liberals blame secular stagnation as the reason worker incomes weren't growing faster during Obama's presidency. Yet employee compensation has increased by $150 billion more in the first six months of 2019 than in all of 2016. Compensation increased 42% more during the first two years of the Trump presidency than in 2015 and 2016. This refutes the claim by liberals that the economy has merely continued on the same trajectory since 2017 as it was before. Uh, Again, folks, I'm not giving you this to give to your liberal friends. They don't care. They legitimately don't care. They look in the mirror every morning and it's the Truman Show. You know, everyone around them is acting and they think everything is real. They're delusional. I'm sorry. They're not. None of this is going to penetrate. That's fine. I'm telling you, when you debate them, use the material I give you for the third person listening, because they are the Trump voter out there and the forgotten man who's never been privy to a conversation like that, where liberals actually had to defend their data. Because I'm telling you, when you come back and say, well, the growth rates are far higher than the Obama years. Mm -hmm. In fact, they're double in many cases what Obama handed off, the garbage he handed off to Trump. They're clearly going to say, and the third person is going to listen, you are definitely a racist. It doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter because you're prepared. All right, folks, this is a very depressing story. You know, what? let me one last sponsor because I want to rock and roll with this because this is really a hugely depressing story, which I'm going to get to some updates on Spygate, which are not going to make you happy. But I'm not here for happy, sad. We're here for facts and the information you need to move forward. Stay tuned. We're not going anywhere on this. All right. Today's show finally brought to you by our buddies at GenuCell. Check that out. GenuCell with MDL technology. Look at that. Hmm. Beautiful stuff. We love this stuff in my household. So does my mother-in-law. By the way, we have a new email. Robin from Lubbock, Texas. The famous Robin. We have a different email. I I know a lot of you love Robin from Lubbock, Texas, but we have Cheryl now from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Listen, do you wish your double chin would disappear? newsflash ladies and gentlemen people look at your jawline it tells your age your jawline your neck people can tell here is cheryl from fort wayne indiana we love you cheryl this is an actual email wow the very first time i tried it i could immediately feel the tightening sensation i've been using it for a week and the results are very visible my jawline looks so much younger that's a nice one her and robin gonna have to you know Duke it out a little bit. <laughs> Using MDL technology and Chamonix proprietary base. GenuCell's new jawline treatment specifically targets the delicate skin around the neck and the jaw for tight, tight, healthy, younger-looking skin. Results are guaranteed or 100% of your money back. Here it is. Order now, with the cl- and the classic GenuCell for bags and puffiness under your eyes is free. Gratis with your order. And to start seeing results in 12 hours or less, GenuCell immediate effects is also free. No double chin. No turkey next? Thank you, Joe. No Don't. sagging jawlines because no one needs to know your answer. That was not a sound effect. That was the actual Joe turkey neck. Go to GenuCell.com and enter Dan25 at checkout. That's Dan25 at checkout. Get you two free gifts and free express chip, uh, shipping. Go to GenuCell.com. GenuCell.com. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com. And be sure to enter Dan25 at checkout so you get those free gifts and free shipping. All right. <laughs> With you, brother. Before we get to Comey, I just.
1: I love this. Why I love this show. We
0: don't have any executive. We are the executive. No one has to tell us what to say ever, (laughs) ever. This is it. So I love this. This is the future of television. I've been. Okay, quick aside. I know I don't like. But I had a conversation with a good person at a prominent place, let's say, because I want to leave their identity out of it. But we were having this debate about the future. I'm telling you, folks, this is the future of television. I'm telling you, this is it less scripts less teleprompter there is no teleprompter anywhere in this studio i promise you maybe in the new one but there is nah. not less scripts more candor more emotion this is i i think this is the future of political tv call me crazy maybe I'm, I'm just me but i think this is it i'd love your feedback on that by the way i had this conversation someone doesn't believe me i believe it okay thank you paula believes it too there you go we get more compliments about like my bizarre facial expressions and, and, and <laughs> gesticulations on the show than anything. So going back and revisiting yesterday's story from Solomon first, Solomon had John Solomon at the hell I'm talking about. This was a it's in yesterday's show notes. Chris Ray's FBI basically is continuing to stonewall and cover for Jim Comey's Russia shenanigans. That was yesterday's story. What's going on? And again, I don't want to relitigate what I said, but it's important in light of the new information. Here it is. Christopher Steele, as we know, was the source of the dossier, the negative information on Trump that the FBI used to spy on Trump. Everybody got that point? Very mm-hmm. simple, right? Mm-hmm. Before, before the FBI raised their right hands, Comey and others, um, and stamped verified on the warrant to spy on the Trump team, before they did that, of course, using the information from Steele, Christopher Steele met with a State Department official named Kathleen Kavalec. The fact that this happened before the FISA was sworn to, ladies and gentlemen, is critical. Because during that interview with Kathleen Kavalec, with Christopher Steele, Steele gives her information that does what? That severely damages his credibility. Why is that important? Because ladies and gentlemen, just a week and a half after the interview with Kathleen Kavalec, Steele had, the FBI raises their right hand and swears that they have no derogatory information about their source Christopher Steele ladies and gentlemen that raise your right hand sir we have no derogatory information point Would be strongly refuted, Joe. This is not a trick question, right? If they actually were in possession of a file containing loads of derogatory information about steel. uh, Yeah. Not a trick. right? That would probably be bad. Thumbs down. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We needed Mm -hmm. to add that for effect. Very bad. (gasps) We have no derogatory information. Here's a file of derogatory information. Thank you. This is not good. NG. OK, Angie, what was in that file? I don't know, because Christopher Ray, as we see in the piece from yesterday, will not turn over the file. Apparently, there is a five page file that Kathleen Cavalek got turned over to the FBI. As we saw yesterday, a five page memo downloaded from Steele from an Internet storage site after their meeting that they don't want to show us. I addressed yesterday the Alpha Bank, uh, the, the movie script, the Alpha Bank stuff, yeah. which I cover in my book, Exonerated. But, folks, what's weird about this? Ray now, Christopher Ray, the FBI, there has been a disaster for accountability on this. Christopher Ray, according to Tom Fitton over Judicial Watch, is asking for some time, folks, to release some of this information, including the page stroke text. He's asking for time. How much time does he want? Conveniently, Christopher Ray wants two years. What, Joe? What? This two now. There is an election coming up, right? Yes, Dan. I'm not crazy. We just no, okay. No. Thank you. Again, yeah, not right. a trick question. You're just sitting there, is he messing with? Me? Yes, thank you. There isn't. What are they doing, folks? This is so obvious. Ray is assuming Donald Trump is going to lose. He mm-hmm. knows that if a Democrat gets in, I don't think he's going to. But uh, you know, I, I'm obviously uh, on the other side of that. But. Mm-hmm. He thinks Trump's going to lose, going to be a Democrat in office. And of course, no Democrat's going to want to get to the bottom of the biggest Democrat FBI spying scandal in American history. Mm -hmm. And that this is all going to go away. Folks, what else is going on here? What else is in that Kavalec memo she sent to the FBI? I have it listed out here. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the fact that she probably, based on some of the strategic redactions. She probably checked the travel history of Michael Cohen, Donald Trump's lawyer. Ladies and gentlemen, why is that important? Mm. Again, not to relitigate past shows, but you need to understand what's going on, why they are protecting Jim Comey right now. Even people at DOJ. The central thesis of Christopher Steele's dossier used to spy on Trump is that it was coordinated by Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen who took a trip over to Prague to engage in a financial transaction where Cohen was basically paying for information the Russians had on Trump. Uh Ladies and gentlemen, that story is completely false. There is not a shred. Michael Cohen's never been to Prague of authenticity to it. What's the problem with the Kathleen Kavalek five-page file they sent to the FBI before they swore to it? It appears by some strategic redactions, That she was checking the travel histories of key players while they were engaged in this interview. One of the redactions, I am reasonably confident, is her checking Michael Cohen's travel history and indicating he'd never been to Prague. Folks, do you think that would qualify as derogatory information if the central thesis of your dossier is that Trump's lawyer went to Prague to coordinate with the Russians? And 10 days before you swear to that information, you have a file indicating Michael Cohen's never been to Prague. Joe, you think that may be a bad thing for them? Just a guess. Um. Yeah, pretty bad, Dan. They, bad, bad, bad. I, I know you had to think hard about that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. it would be. Quote, oh, Joe, yeah. very bad. bad. Very, very bad. Very, very bad. Now, even worse on the Cohen Prague angle. Oh, man. Steele doesn't even remember his own information about Michael Cohen traveling to Prague. Why is that? Because he tells Kathleen Kavalek in the interview, as I just told you, Mm -hmm. about Michael Cohen traveling to Prague. And then in a dossier memo, just what, 10 days later... He writes that his source is unsure about the location of the meeting between Cohen. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think may have happened there? Let me just throw this out there, folks. You think it's possible that this interview with Kavalec was more of a two-way than a one-way interview? You think it's possible Kavalec, like, winks and nods at Steele? Hey, I just checked the travel histories. Cohen's never been to Prague. (gasps) Mm. Revise that memo, memo to the FBI 10 days later. Yeah, I'm not really sure about where that uh, happened. You think that's possible? Oh, so now let me get this straight. We have the possibility that a State Department official is giving information to a political opposition researcher who says he wants to take down Trump, who is feeding it into the FBI to spy on Trump. Oh, that sounds like kind of a problem to me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Is that what's in those memos? Hmm. Peanut is that This is my daughter's uh, Stuffed animal Peanut is that what's in, She's looking at Peanut is that what's in the interview Yes dude That's what's in there. Thank you Peanut <laughs> My daughter wanted Peanut To make an appearance During the show That my little one That's her story <laughs> Joe's like is that a rat I'm like it's a dog What do you mean is that a rat That's what I said it's got legs. The show. Look, Even Peanut knows Something's wrong Peanut knows That these memos Are a problem So number one if in those memos, she was checking Cohen's travel history and the FBI knew that Cohen didn't go to Prague and swore to it anyway, big trouble. If she was giving information to Cohen to revise his memos, a steal, excuse me, to revise his memo about Cohen to then give to the FBI, we have an even bigger problem. Let me just open up a couple other things. We talked about Alpha Bank yesterday. How this is this the movie script redo? Yeah. yeah. But second, another thing in that memo, he talks about this whole thing being coordinated out of the Russian consulate Miami, Steele, in the Kavalec memo that she sends to the FBI. There is no Russian consulate Miami. That's right. in the memo. She notes that. Lastly, and most importantly, Kavalec's notes, and I will, if this five-page file has anything more on this, I want to see it. Kavalec's notes, she indicates that Steele told her that his sources were Trebnikov and sirkov Two Russian inner circle Putin guys who are known disinformation intel people, ladies and gentlemen, that would conclusively show if Steele was telling the truth that the real Russian collusion scandal was between the State Department, the FBI, Hillary Clinton's team, the Obama administration and key Russian intel people who fed the current uh, the uh, former U.S. government led under Obama information about their political opponent. Now you see why that file is big trouble. Oh. right we need two more years yeah okay sure all right let me go to this next story again because it feeds in update solomon this is the bad news in the, both of the, these stories are in the show notes today again check them out jim comey ladies and gentlemen uh is the hammer about to drop on jim comey solomon's new piece jim comey's next reckoning is imminent this time for leaking john solomon again in the show notes today please check it out folks the story is not good news Um, The headline is, um, I'm not going to say, it's not misleading. I don't think John's messing with you because there are some takeaways from it. Here's one of them. Let me just get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't look like Jim Comey is going to be prosecuted for what are apparent, obvious uh, leaks of information here. Folks, this is a big deal. Here's from Solomon's piece. Inspector General Michael Horowitz's team referred Jim Comey for possible prosecution for leaking classified information. But this is puzzling, folks. DOJ prosecutors working for AG Barr reportedly have decided to decline prosecution, a decision likely to upset Comey's conservative critics. Prosecutors found the IG's findings compelling but decided not to bring charges because they did not believe they had enough evidence of Comey's intent to violate the law, according to multiple sources. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go again. I have no... I, I, I have no good cover for that. I'm not trying to. Why they would decline prosecution again on what's an open and shut case. Comey clearly at some point transmitted information that at a minimum was sensitive at a maximum may have been classified and at some level prohibiting its distribution. Clearly gave that information to members of the media or a member of the media. Clearly. Again, Comey appears to be getting a pass on this. Sound familiar? Hmm. Same exact thing happening to Hillary Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, justice in this country is dead. It's dead and buried. There is no justice system. There is an injustice system. We have a system where anyone on the Trump team is prosecuted for taxi medallions, uh, lying to federal agents when federal agents said they didn't lie. Uh, George Papadopoulos for misremembering dates about when he met Mifsud. Um, You're prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. In the case of Papadopoulos, a Manafort, you're going to jail. But when you're on Team Hillary, like Jim Comey, and Hillary herself, and all of her acolytes in her sphere, nothing. Now, Solomon's piece I encourage you to read, if you want to take some green shoots from it. Apparently the inspector general's report is going to be devastating when it comes out about Comey. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, reputational damage to Comey is bad. I don't want to pretend Comey cares about his reputation and it's over. He's now been exposed for the complete, utter total fraud liar. He is, but folks, it's not enough until somebody is prosecuted. And somebody sees those silver bracelets behind their back and potential jail time. This stuff is going to continue. I, I can't say to the DOJ folks enough. I don't worship golden Cass here. This is an enormous mistake. Wow. There's either a system of justice or there isn't. And it appears now there are two completely different sets of standards. This was hugely, hugely disappointing. Baffling. Baffling. Yeah. All right. Two quick updates. I want to leave you in an awful mood. Two hmm. quick updates. I got a video. Just don't go anywhere. If Elijah Cummings, this is just... <laughs> Don't miss this one. <laughs> but just quickly from Fox News, the Democrats lose again, kind of some good news on their fake Russian collusion story. Uh, Gregory Fox Judge dismisses DNC hacking lawsuit against Trump team says claims were, quote, entirely divorced from the facts. Folks, what happened? I didn't cover this yesterday because it's, yeah. it's I, I know it's important, but it's it's really it's just so yeah. dumb. And again, it shows to show you liberal, liberals look in the mirror every morning. They must know they're lying if they even read a newspaper. Here's what happened. In order to make a political case against Trump when the collusion case collapsed, remember, not a crime case, facts case. We're we're talking about liberals. They don't do that stuff. I'm talking about a political case. The DNC, for some bizarre reason, thought it would be a good idea to sue the Trump team for colluding with Russia over the DNC hack. So what happened? They go in front of a federal judge. Big mistake. Federal judge, by the way, appointed by Bill Clinton, the judge in this case. Not a Republican. um, Not a Republican appointee, I should say. I don't know what his party affiliation is. The federal judge says, um, you're alleging in this lawsuit, the Trump team colluded with the Russians on the DNC act. It is entire, quote, entirely divorced from facts. The case is thrown out in another humiliating defeat for the Democrats. Ladies and gentlemen, they went in front of a judge with no evidence whatsoever. (laughs) A Democrat appointed judge, quote, entirely divorced from facts showing you again, they don't live in a facts based world. These are all political attacks against the Trump team. And I told you, as I argued with this guy in the gym two weeks ago, he's telling me, Oh, now that Mueller blew it, it's all going to go away. No, it isn't. It is not going to go away. Democrats don't live in a facts based world. They live in bizarro Superman land where everything's upside down. Despite the fact that they have no case, I promise you, they will continue to try to make no case a case. They'll refile this somewhere else. Despite having no evidence, any of it's actually true. Okay, last story. That. I had a few more. Gosh, I get so much. Don't miss tomorrow. I got such a stacked <laughs> week, and I've been very energetic lately. So I'm, I'm, you know, I get into these stories, and sometimes they take a little longer. So forgive me. Um, Elijah Cummings, Democrat, Congressman, Maryland Seventh Congressional District, uh, runs, uh, has been in, in charge as a federal congressman, basically in Baltimore and Baltimore City, Parsons of the county and the city forever, has been in this Twitter back and forth with Donald Trump, who. Trump hit him as he should have for, listen, what are you doing in your district? Baltimore's being run into the ground. And in his tweet, Donald Trump said, listen, this is a rat infested city. Nobody would want to live there. And of course, everybody accused Donald Trump of racism because that's what they do all the right. time. They don't really have anything else. Um, f- of course, neglecting the fact that there were, is a film about Baltimore called Rat Film uh, about the rats in Baltimore. We showed you video rats running through live shots. There are rats in Baltimore. It's a significant problem. But they said, Joe, it's not Trump calling it rats so much, calling out the rats. It's the infested line. Like, oh, you can't say infested. Of course, that's everything's racist. Remember what I told you about the language codes? Now, the new word, the new code for racism is the word infested. Okay, whatever. Um, Not okay. And we're not going to accept that. But that's what they do. Here is Elijah Cummings. Remember, Joe, infested is a racist word. Are All we right. clear on this? Is everybody right. new? On this? Listen, according to Elijah Cummings, the media, the media uh, butt mm-hmm. kissers, and the Democrats, infested is a racist term. Here's Elijah Cummings clearly calling people out for using the word infested. He's this, is, this clip, he's telling people don't dare use the word infested. I'm just kidding. Play the cut. I
1: left my community of Baltimore, a drug infested area.
0: Oh! oh. Where a lot
1: of the drugs that we're talking about today have already taken the lives of so many children.
0: Hmm. Uh. Uh. Yeah. Um. Did he? I. I. I yeah. Dude, did he just say infested? But yeah. He, he did, Dan. I'm just. Did. Wait, I'm double. Paula, did yeah. he just say infested? He said it. He did. did you, okay. I, so we, I heard Now, it. I this heard is it. not meatloaf. Two out of three ain't bad. No, no. This is three out of three. I'm pretty sure Eliza Cummings just called his own district I, drug I, infested. I heard it. Ra- Joe, it's racist. Uh, it's, it, it, it's is it be. not racist? Gotta be. Gotta it be. It has to be racist. It's their own rules. It's yeah. not the damn Bongito rule. This is clearly racism. Yeah, absolutely. It's racism. 100% unadulterated racism. <sighs> Calling a largely minority city drug infested. It's racist. Oh, man. Hey, mom! The, the, let rules- out! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Where is it? I don't know what she's doing back there. I don't know what she's doing. Be- clearly calling someone drug-infested. Lost <laughs> what making to Meatloaf. Yes. Folks, this <laughs> is racist by their own definition. Is it? Of course it's not racism. We're trying to get ourselves in the dopey liberal mindset. It's impossible. Mm. These people are lunatics. They live in a bizarro Superman universe where everything is upside down. Hey, I want to end it on this because this thing about Baltimore has been a thread the entire week. Dan Henniger, the Wall Street Journal, nailed it. I mean, nailed it to the wall today in a piece he wrote for the journal, The Trump-Cummings Brawl. I want to read to you. Here's how we're going to go out today. One of the best pieces of writing. Take about 15 seconds. I've seen in a long time on this. Here's Henniger on this and these faux charges of racism for calling out the Democrats for failing in Baltimore. Throw that up there. After 55 years of wheel spinning, it's all getting abstracted into, quote, racism. The gentry liberals who drove up housing prices for the poor and middle class walk past the human and physical debris like the 18th century Parisian aristocrats holding perfume handkerchiefs to their noses. In Queens, they sent Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez to Congress to keep them entertained on Instagram. Messrs. Cumming and Trump are footnotes in this unhappy saga. The important difference is that the Baltimore congressman no longer has much to add, but Trump is president. Mr. Trump brought up the subject of Baltimore. Now he should put it and these other cities on his campaign agenda. Let the left scream racism. Everybody else in America knows the reality is deeper than that. Amen, brother. Here are the liberals. This is our penalty flag, courtesy of Jose. They walk past Baltimore. It's stinky. Parisian aristocrats. Oh, this stink. We'll fix it. We'll fix it. Good for Trump. And as I said to you in the beginning of the week, do not dare back away from this fight. Let the liberals with their stink handkerchiefs walk around covering their noses while we get in there and fix it. Go host a presser in there immediately. School choice, public safety, low taxes, regulations, and jobs. Let us fix it. Let them walk around with their stink rags over their faces. Aristocratic liberal snobs who don't give a damn about Baltimore. It's our fight. And thank God, and I'm not using his name in vain. Thank God someone inspired Trump to tweet about it, whether it was strategic or not because now you guys are going to be forced to answer questions about you, what you did to one of America's formerly great cities. I'll see you on a You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud and follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.